Welcome to the Dauntless Race Exchange. I'm Deidre. And I'm Megan. And today we want to kind of continue on our Enneagram and Relationships series, but we are specifically going to address some questions that I asked on my Instagram account. Uh, and some people sent in some really good questions about how Enneagram plays out in different types of relationships and then some more generic Enneagram questions that we thought we'd go ahead and have a Q&A and address those today. What do you think? Let's do it. I, I mean, I haven't even shown you the questions until like 30 seconds ago, and I have not come up with any answers. So this is going to be legitimately off the cuff. Like, what do we know enough about Enneagram to really say this in real time? <laughs> well, I think what we don't have the time for is for every type with every type, because that could take a long time. I don't do math well, but that would be like nine times nine, right? ish yeah because you don't have to you don't have to duplicate, have to duplicate the okay I gotcha yeah <laughs> um but a book that we recommend for that is uh is Suzanne Stabile it, does she co-author that with Ian Crone or no is this, this is this is her the first one she did alone about the Enneagram and it's called The Path Between Us yeah. and it is specific to Enneagram and relationships um and we have that linked at, on the resources page on our website dauntlessgrace.org and um, Becoming Us by Beth and Jeff McCord. Beth McCord has been a guest on our podcast before, but that's also pretty specific to the Enneagram in relationship as well. So yeah. those are great books if you're just wanting to drill more into like, well, how does this type interact with this type, which we can go through a little bit. But um, I will say the one question that I get asked a lot is which types shouldn't be together in any kind of close relationship. And I haven't seen in my like I don't know, not that I'm surveying people or following up on their relationships. I haven't seen that there are any numbers that don't actually work well together because if two people are broken, that brokenness is going to play out no matter what their types are. Yeah. And if two people are willing to commit to a journey of healing together, then it doesn't matter what those types are. They can deal with what the broken things are, right? right. Um, although I have also heard it said that two fours together sometimes is really difficult because they both tend to spiral at the same time. But again, if they're both whole healed people, I don't, I don't see how that is a problem. Well, think? and the old, um, I don't know, mantra or whatever it was old saying that opposites attract. I think it is kind of true because you tend to look for the things that you need from, you know, that you feel like maybe aren't your strengths. I think someone can kind of complement that. But mm -hmm. even if you are both the same type, there's a lot of other layers of what creates that personality and just gift mixes and talents that create strengths and weaknesses. So um, I'm not, I'm not even, it's not like you're automatically the same people if you're both a type four or a type one. Right. I, I mean, you're just not. There's all kinds of other things that layer onto that. So um, I, I think, yeah, that's kind of a myth probably that there is just some that should stay away. I think that if you know your type, then you're, what you need to spend time doing is figuring out with the people who are close to you, how can you best move into each other's worlds in a way that does add and not detract from one another. Um, but that's just like good wisdom for relationship building. <laughs> you know, if, if as someone specifically asked us about like twos and eights, you know, like, yeah, it could be really codependent where the eights taking over everything, the twos submitting everything, or it could be really healthy because they're both healthy people and they understand how to serve one another, you know? So yeah, I, I feel, I just feel like there could be any kind of relationship is prone to some kind of tyranny and victim, or you can, you know, actually have a relationship. So, so our answer is do your own inner work. And if you're looking for a relationship of any kind, friend, colleague, spouse, whatever, find someone else who's doing their inner work. 
that's going to be the healthiest rel- one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It doesn't matter what type you are. And if you're already in a relationship, just start doing your own inner work and the other person will want to know what you're doing and maybe join along. So, and I also want to just bust that myth of like, there's certain types that are just better to be like, I feel like, <laughs> Oh, I want to, I want to be in a relationship with a seven. Cause they're fun. They pull me out of my, no, but they're not always fun. They have their own stuff too. And if they are always just looking at the fun side of life, they're probably not a very healthy person. And there'd be a lot of other things in life that would be really frustrating to live with that personality, you know, or the twos because they're so helpful. What? I feel attacked right now. No, I'm saying like for me, I, if I was just looking at types for me as a one, I'd be like, I think I want a seven because I need someone to help me be fun. But that's not really true. There'd be so many ways where that person would drive me insane. Yeah. No, I know, but you're probably tired of me making the comment either like, I wish I were a two because they look so helpful or I need more twos in my life because I want people to just serve me because that wouldn't actually serve me in the long run. So I apologize. <laughs> they, they're not just like mindless robots that are out doing good things, good things for all the people, you know, they're like altruistically just serving the world. They have their own needs and wants and desires and a whole swirl of emotions that come along with it. Should not I, that I don't have some in my life. I, I actually do. And that's exactly the truth. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. I'm trying to decide if I should call you out on air for almost quoting Trevor Noah there, but oh no, I just did. I just called you, just you out. <laughs> I couldn't do it with his accent. He's so good when he does that little bit, but I'm not that's... here to promote him, but I do love him. <laughs> or do accents. Let's be real. <laughs> I can't do any accents. No, no. Mm-hmm. All right, let's jump into this question. Then I'm going to start you on this answer because the question that I got was, why is it so difficult for ones to start a relationship? And I know that you got married as a baby, so it's probably really difficult for you to think back on that time. So just any relationship, what is something that would hold you as a one back from jumping all into a close relationship? It's interesting that you asked this because I was just talking to one of my kids about a relationship starting for them. And um, I said, you know what? you need, cause there's always this hesitancy, like, will it be the right one? You know, um, as though, <laughs> I don't know when you're 17, 18, 19, 20, you just feel like every decision you make sets the course for the rest of your life. And it's all like huge. And, uh, um, like there's no, once you, if you get off course, you can't course correct. It, it just, it's so much pressure that you put on yourself at that age. Um, so I was trying to take a little pressure off of that. I'm like, you're not talking about getting married. You're talking about like going on a date. So first of all, that's okay. You know, like, let's just figure that out. But I was trying to, they were like, how did you know? And I thought, you know what, for me, I knew when I felt safe, even in my mess. And so, uh, just Paul is like the least critical person when it comes to being in a relationship with me. He just, there's nothing that he criticizes about me except the things that he does because he thinks they're funny. And then I just tell him to stop. But uh, <laughs> uh, so I realized that a lot of when you ask this question via text or someone, you know, sending that in, it probably always comes down to our fears or what are going to keep us out of something um, or committing to something. Um, but then we kind of know when our fear is sort of realized and we realize, oh, it's still safe, you know. So maybe I don't know if you can legitimately go through one through nine and say that's always the same thing for everyone but for me I needed to know I was good and safe in that place even if I was in process so the hesitancy for one could be if they feel like they would be criticized Criticized. once they're exposed yeah yeah 
And I for sure felt that way with some people. Like, you know, I was drawn to people who were really like smart and successful and all these things. But then I'd get closer to that and be like, oh, they'll throw me under to stay on top. You know, they'll they'll criticize me to look better themselves or whatever. I mean, that's just not that they were jerks. I just mean like I would criticize someone. I'm a one, so I would do that. <laughs> um, as as someone who is in relationship with you, the fact that I apparently was not smart or successful enough to be worthy of criticizing you, I'm offended a little bit. <laughs> what? No, I'm talking about like early on teen boy years stuff. <laughs> okay. You're like, well, I just wouldn't be in a relationship with people who are really smart and successful. <laughs> that is not what I said. I said I was drawn to some people like that, but they had the shadow side of being driven and critical. That's all I was saying. Okay. okay. Yeah. No, I won't read into that. That's fine. <laughs> anyway. anyway. Well, what would a four stay out of skip around or should we try to go in order a little okay. bit? I don't know. You Are just, you... you put yourself there. So I was just pointing the spotlight back at you. <laughs> oh gosh. What, what, why would I stay out of a relationship? I think if someone couldn't or didn't want to take the time to try to get to know me, and like push through all the things that I think are too difficult to know about me. If they didn't like want to, then I, that would, then I wouldn't want to try to engage any further. Right. And you wouldn't or if want I, to feel shallow or like surface in any way. Yeah. Or like, as soon as I felt like I was too much, then mm-hmm. I don't, then that's, well, especially at this stage of my life, then I'm totally, that's not worth getting in for me. Like if it's because somebody else needs me to minister to them, that's fine. But then that's not like an intimate relationship for me, you know? Yeah. So yeah. At, at this stage of my life, I don't need more intimate relationships, especially where I'm trying to knock down those like preconceptions of who I might be. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, since we were talking about it too. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think they need to feel needed. And so if someone else um, is maybe callous to their feelings or their needs, it, once they've... Um, admitted them like been vulnerable it kind of comes to vulnerability again right like once they were vulnerable enough to actually have a need and someone just doesn't see it or care to give back to them for everything they've given out um I imagine it would you know they want to be seen everybody wants to but so like feeling taken for granted maybe would keep them from pushing further into a relationship yeah maybe the problem for them is if they feel very needed and it's not a healthy relationship Right. That's when they need to say, well, you know, we, we actually kind of talk like maybe we'll go through all of these for all nine types, but I think there are some types that would be less willing to back out of a relationship. And I think twos might be one of them, especially in an unhealthy space. Yeah. So you might as a one be like, nope, walls up, scared, running away. And the two might go red flag, but I'm already in. So got to stay, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's, maybe we can't go through all nine types because maybe all nine types wouldn't hesitate the same. Like maybe some of them wouldn't hesitate to get into all in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause the question specifically was like, what would make them hesitate to start a relationship? Yeah. Right. And I think there's some types that wouldn't ever hesitate to start it. Yeah. I think for threes, part of it might be once I choose this, all the other options are not in front of me anymore. <laughs> like I mean sevens what if that same thing too right like yeah. not to limit themselves with one way of being in the world yeah for sure for that for a seven and I think the reason a three might you know a little bit different not so much that there's like more fun possibilities but what if there what if there is something better you know what yeah. if what if they chose second place when first place was right out there you know right on the other side I don't know um 
that again may not be true for every three it's just one example yeah no I think that's good I think for seven suit like yeah then you don't want to limit the possibilities of something um you know for a five it's is it worth my emotional energy right well They're you had hesitate to start ask, any intimate relationship you had a five ask that question they're like is, do all fives hesitate or is it just me <laughs> I was like, no, I mean, I imagine that they would be less likely to jump in to anything a hundred percent vulnerable, right? Because that's really scary to give that much of your privacy and energy and emotional yeah. energy to someone else. Yeah. When we teach about fives, we always say that the bravest thing a five can do is show up in an intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like that was a specific question someone sent in that said, um, oh gosh, why is it so hard for five, a five female to commit in a relationship or is it just me? Well, I would tell that person, it's not just you. It's probably all fives and probably not just the female fives. Right. Yeah. Because it is, it's, it's hard for them to show up in a relationship. It's brave because intimacy is scary. It uh, takes energy. It takes emotional energy. So, I mean, that's something to work through. I don't think it's just like, so you don't have to show up then, but I do think that's why it's hard. Yeah. I wonder if sixes are one that would not be as hesitant to start a relationship. I know vulnerability, like really getting vulnerable, but like, like for you, you're like, I don't want to even invest somewhere if they don't want to go deeper and know more. Like a six doesn't really necessarily want that anyway. So they'd be like, this feels good. This is easy. This feels safe. I mean, I know to get more actual vulnerability out of them could take longer to build that trust. But what do you think? I think if a six feels an inkling of safety, and like-mindedness of some kind that they're kind of in, right? It might take a long time, like you said, to go super deep, but I think that they're only looking, am I safe? So if the, if they're safe to start, then they're, they're gonna keep going until it's just not safe. I don't, I don't know that they're gonna necessarily gonna hesitate, but I think they're gonna walk slower. Yeah, and that loyalty that tends to drive them um, would keep them in the relationship, I think, where some types yeah. might be less willing to stick through some of the harder stuff. I don't know. I, I like, I, this is hard because it can sound really stereotypical, but. Yeah, there's so much nuance involved in this, I think. And, and also it does a little bit depend on what's the number of the other type of person. How healed are both of you? How much do you know your own self? Like, yeah. so for eights, I would say what would hold them back is just kind of that they're running so fast. They're, they're, they're driving ahead. And if someone can't keep up, they're not going to slow down to find them or to wait for them. Yeah. I'd be surprised if eights would often, unless they're really secure and kind of tapping into that two space, but I'd be surprised that they'd often have a lot of uh, empathy or energy for types who are in that withdrawing stance, who can't like immediately jump in with them, you know, like they, they want you to keep up. They want you to have the energy. And I guess I'm being stereotypical again, but well, it's only stereotypical if you don't consider that all of these numbers, if we're talking about a, like a secure relationship at some point, then all of these numbers are going to find themselves sitting in their security numbers, their connecting lines a little bit more, and that's going to pull the energy differently. Yeah, so if an eight sure. finds themselves in a secure relationship, then they're going to feel a lot more two-ish, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't, yeah, I don't same know thing that, for the fives, you know, they'll, they'll jump into that eight space and be maybe a little more daring and willing and doing oriented to jump in if they feel safer there. Yeah. So I don't know, again, that it comes back to different types can't be together or shouldn't be. I think it's about 
the safety security and again that inner work that they're both willing to invest in it i we haven't done nine yet because we've, we've been all over the map going out of order but the um i think maybe just the same thing that keeps them from doing anything <laughs> that terrible to say but the i mean desire to arise with any vitality yeah like that fear that they'll be made emotionally responsible for the other person or be pulled into some kind of conflict or you know just an energy that they're not ready for so for them to feel safe uh in that space then might get them engaging in more in their three yeah. line um but yeah i'm not sure that in relationship or in work or in anything else it would be a different answer because it's really comes back to that fear you know yeah i don't know that we've <laughs> given a lot of helpful tips here here's what i think <laughs> all of this can be summarized up though with vulnerability because relationships, uh, new, new, anything, you know, I've got kids that are going off to college and we're moving another daughter into an apartment for uh, her dance thing. And like it, there's fear attached to any new thing because of all the unknowns. So I think anytime, like we're almost going to, maybe, maybe what we should have said is you're probably going to go more into your space of stress because it's an unknown and it's new. Um, and so you may engage differently than you would in a relationship you're already in a rhythm with. Um, yeah. And that, so that might be interesting too, to consider where your type goes in stress. That might be the first thing that your other new person knows about you because you're in stress in a new thing. That's Even true. when you're excited <laughs> about it, you know, like you're anxious and excited at the same time. And that's probably why you and I thought I was a two for a little while in time. <laughs> Yeah, well, I didn't know much about the Enneagram when we took that test. So. No, as soon as you learned, you're like, oh, yeah, you're not a two. <laughs> well, neither. Well, also, I knew we, it couldn't be right when we both tested the same. I'm like, that doesn't feel right. <laughs> um, okay, do you want to go another question or do you want to dive further into what you just said there? Because I could go either way. Let's do the vulnerability thing a little bit further. All right, well, I'm going to tell you then, because I was going to tell you this today anyway, about the sermon I heard. Um, because it was about vulnerability and uh, Pastor Melissa Pellman preached it. And I want to shout her out because she's been a guest on our podcast before way back in the fall of 2020. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll link her episode down, but she preached an amazing sermon about vulnerability. And um, I hadn't heard it put this way before because what she was saying was she was pulling out the word low, uh, like lowly, like Jesus came and made himself low. Like he was mm. a lowly servant. And she was like, you know, I just always thought that meant like meek or weak or all the stuff that she was, but I kind of looked up the nuance of it and low literally means it's about like kind of getting in the mess. Like it's about revealing things. And so she compared mm. it to boating, like on the lake and you're swimming in a lake and she likes when the water's high, because then you don't really see all the stuff that's floating and swimming below you. And when the water's too low, all of a sudden you're like, I see what's in these waters. Like, I don't want to touch the bottom of this lake. It's too low. And so that's what Jesus did. He came to reveal himself and show and like, let people reveal themselves. And then he was willing to see what was below and all of that gunk and the, the creepy and the icky and the mess, like basically wading through the mess is how Jesus came to be low. And it was just such a posture of vulnerability. And wow. it was just a beautiful analogy because I hate lakes and I hate seeing the, the gross stuff that's underneath there. But I think it's just, I don't know. I, I've never heard it said that way about that word low before, you know, like the That's revealing really of the mess. I, we, we actually talked a little bit along this line, but I didn't know it was connected to that word um, in loneliness, but how he came to reveal what it's like to live whole, wholly integrated, no disintegrated parts. 
And that must have been part of what was so becoming about him. Like either people were drawn to it or they were terrified of it because he could see right through them too. Right. Right. Um, So what he spent so much time doing was seeing the hard place deep within of someone and touching that and not being repulsed from it where the Pharisees had all these laws where they couldn't touch people who were unclean and they couldn't come near dead bodies. And and he just was like, but you can do all of that when you bring life to it, you know, like he just flipped that around. Yeah. He just wasn't afraid of what was below the surface. He invited it, you know, and Mm -hmm. he made himself low to be able to reveal his own mess. And when I say mess, he wasn't disintegrated. He wasn't in sin. He wasn't any of that, but he had messy emotions because we just assume all emotions are messy when they're too much and they're too big. And he experienced all of the emotions, which we've had episodes talking about that before. And so he revealed that inner working of his own soul to the people Mm -hmm. around him in such a vulnerable posture to invite them in to reveal their actual mess, you know, their actual disintegrations. And I just, I don't know that it just, it was so good. Like then she even went on to say, and I'm going to start yelling at our culture in a second, if I get too deep into this, and this is not where this was supposed to go, but I don't know how to talk about any German relationships without talking about vulnerability and, and all of that. But um, she talked about how, when he went to wash the disciples feet, like he did like three things, like he removed his robe and it's not like just a jacket, like it was a status symbol yeah. that rabbis wore in those days. So he removed the status of who he was. He knelt down which is like literally posturing himself below. And then he did what was below even Jewish slaves to do, which was to wash the feet of his like followers. And so he like literally made himself low and into their actual mess of their feet Mm. in order to do that. And it's just such, it's so countercultural to even what the church and our country and the world wants to do today, which is make ourselves big. Let's make God famous. And Jesus was like, I didn't come to do that. I came to get Mm. low and that's how he's glorified. Yeah. Man. I've been in the midst of my own messy emotions lately and been thinking about how often I heard growing up, like if seriously, if we were sick when we were little at school, they would, you could lay on the cot, but you had to listen to Stephen B. Stevens audio recording of healing Bible verses. And like, I know people who you ask them how they are and they say blessed at a funeral, you know, I'm like, sometimes though, that brand of Christianity, it doesn't fit people. Like it's almost like toxic positivity to me. I'm not saying it is, but like, that's what people call positivity. That's like, be positive. And then you'll, you'll see positive or you put it out there and it'll come back. You know, it's almost like there was a brand of Christianity like that too. And it just, people, it doesn't feel good to them when they're in the mess of something. They're like, I don't want to be positive. I don't want to make declarations about something that doesn't feel true. And Jesus didn't either, you know, like he came, he brought life to it, but he didn't like reframe it. Right. Yeah. Well, we know enough about just how the brain works and trauma, big T trauma and little T traumas that build up over just living the course of our lives, that if we don't pay attention to the mess of that, if we are just always reframing it, and we teach this about sevens too, if they're always just reframing it, eventually it's going to start screaming for attention so loudly that you can't, you can't ignore it anymore. And now it's like disruptive instead of just something you kind of learn to acknowledge along the way. If we don't acknowledge the mess, then and yeah. then what, what is the Christian response then when people find themselves in that big place? 
and they have no, they have no coping mechanisms outside of memory verses, you know, like, right. And I'm not saying the word of God doesn't change. So if anyone is hearing this thinking, I, I believe it's, it's active and it's alive and it does, it is important to speak the word and to know the word and to hide it in your heart, but the application of it, of like a band-aid, like, no, you don't feel that way because you are this. No, okay, but I do feel this way. So why do I feel this way? Because I think Jesus wants to do more with me than get my messy emotions out of the way. So if that's all we're using the scripture for, that's not the real application of the scripture. Well, and to be quite honest, the word of God is Jesus, not the scriptures themselves. Yeah. So we need to invite Jesus into those messy places and not just apply scripture as a band-aid and substitute of the real word of God. Yeah. Okay, that's my soapbox and we're so far off topic, but again, without that vulnerability with ourselves and with Jesus and with other people, then it doesn't matter what your Enneagram type is. You're never going to hit the type of intimacy and relationships that's open and available to how we're made to be in relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how to switch off of that, but we can look at a couple other questions, I guess. <laughs> well, they all kind of come back to the same thing. Like what would be a struggle for this type with this type or this type with this type? And I think what we're saying is the biggest struggle is the work you have to do. So that was another thing I told one of my kids, what if this isn't God's will? And I said, well, let's reframe what God's will is. I don't think it's a target destination that you're walking toward. His will is that you're found in him. So that applies in all of these areas of our life. When I am wholly invested in knowing him internally and that all the parts of me are coming under his lordship, which his lordship is not an under, it's being served by him, right? That's how he is our Lord. I think we, we hear that, like if Jesus is Lord, he's over, but he's coming up underneath. He's coming from Mm -hmm. the bottom up to restore and build and renew. And, and so when we allow him to do that work, that's scary and hard, but we do that internal work with the Lord and the Holy spirit is so beautiful and gracious to lead us in that, you know, then no matter what our type is, we're not being driven by the broken parts and the fears right. and all of that. So now there's a place where we can come from that, like internal family systems would call that, that Imago day, like, right. The God in me, the spirit led part of me that can lead forward from a place of calm and curiosity. Oh, there's something new I can engage without fear, you know, or, um, all of connection. I'm not disconnected internally, so I can be more connected externally. Um, so you, if you don't do that work there, I told my kids, like you're, it, it doesn't matter who you're linking up with because you're both just broken, you know, right? how can that broken person be the perfect will of God? I'm not saying that he doesn't have someone set up, but if you're looking for them, you're still missing the work he wants to do internally with you. So, yeah. So if the question is how can a two and seven function in relationship, our answer is do your inner work. work. Yeah. That applies to all nine types, no matter who you're in a relationship with, no matter what type of relationship it is. Yeah. Do your inner work. I mean, we've had a podcast for two years and that's all we're saying for two years. <laughs> it feels like it's such a daunting thing. That's, that's why we're called Dauntless Grace. It's, it's terrifying because it's messy um, it's and messy. it's painful mm-hmm. and it's not a destination. And I do think that that feels easier somehow, even when it's out of reach, at least we have a clear goal when we're doing this stuff internally, it just keeps going, going forever. Going. <laughs> like if you had told me 10 years ago, like, okay, so in 10 years, you're going to be on the cusp of 40 and you're going to feel like a 
a newer, more healed version of yourself, but you're not fully there and you won't be for another 40 years, I would have been like, don't sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I, it's been worth it for sure. But it is weird to think about because like we still have another 40 or 50 years on this planet. And like every few days, weeks, months, hopefully that time gets longer every time, but we're just going to keep hitting up against those same cycles and going, okay, I've seen this before. I know what to do here. Jesus, come back in, get in here, fix this again, clean this up for me. Well, and there is something about age that gives you perspective about how seasons and cycles come and go, you know? Um, And that is what the 18, 19, 20 year olds can't see yet. They don't have enough distance away from seeing like this. It's all like just another school year maybe or whatever, but there's so much happens for them in the span of those nine or 10 months. Um, For us, it's like, okay, it's fall again. This is what happens. And whether we want it to or not, winter's coming. And, but even if we don't spring is right around the corner and oh, there's summer again, you know, and, but it's like, it could feel hopeless, but it's kind of settling. So that means that whatever season that we find ourselves in, whether it's good or bad, you know, we'll have a, uh, an end and there'll be something new on the other side. And we understand it with age and maturity that the seeds that are planted in one season always come to fruit. Right. And so I think that, wow, we're so far from the question that was asked, but I think what we're saying is doing your inner work, it gets less scary as you get more perspective because you understand, oh yeah, like you said, last time I remember I hit this same pain point, but I had this tool that brought healing. And so I can get there more quickly because I know where the tools are. You know, they're not all out of reach anymore. They're like, they're right there. And I know when to engage in the broken parts of myself and how to speak to myself differently than I did 10 years ago or whatever. Um, So just, it's not hopeless that it's a journey, but it's seasonal and that is just life, you know? And if you're waiting on yourself to be healed, to get to that destination before trying to be in an intimate relationship with other people, then it's just never going to happen. So it's really important to find people who are willing to walk their own journey alongside of you. Yeah. I think that's so important. Uh, Suzanne Stabile, they, the motto of their ministry center is solitary work that you can't do alone. Mm. And I just, I think that's what we've been saying about Dauntless Grace too, you know, whether it's the Enneagram or IFS or whatever tool we're using to walk this road of healing with Jesus, it is solitary work. It's work we can only do with ourselves and Jesus, but we can't do it alone. It has to be done in the company of others. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I love that. Also, what's wrong with me that anytime I hear someone say motto, I think of the like, what's a motto with you? <laughs> Sorry, I, was Why did I know to, exactly what you were saying. I was starting to cry, but that kind of broke the ice. So Why did I want to sing Shodigalo, low, like the, for the whole church <laughs> sermon when Melissa was teaching about being low? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Our brain has to give us a way out sometimes when it gets too heavy, I think. <laughs> Like she's right. preaching this beautiful sermon. I'm just sitting there singing apple bottom jeans. I, my teenager and I are looking at each other like, you think everybody else is thinking this? Yeah, yeah, okay. That's great. <laughs> All right, I'm just taking get low right now. Yeah, here's our, here's our here's our advice. Get low. Invite Jesus into the mess. Do your inner work, and then find people willing to do their own journeys. And that wraps up another episode of the Dauntless Grace Exchange. You can follow us on social media to stay connected. We are on Instagram at Dauntless Grace Ministries. Our Facebook page is Dauntless Grace. And you can join the conversation in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups 
slash team DGM. For more about the Enneagram, visit our website at dauntlessgrace.org for coaching and training opportunities. And you can follow me on Instagram at Enneagram Megan. And be sure to check out our website for more information about today's podcast at dauntlessgrace.org.